It's Wednesday at 11 a.m. and it's time for another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. This right here for my oodles and oodles, babies. His mom smoked crack while she was pregnant, so he can't even help that he crazy. He going to jail. It's inevitable. For real. Today, we're talking transit and civil rights with East End Omari. Thought it was cool, but I really was hurt. One in my family, they cut in my games. My mama could make it because she was at work. Remember my grandma, she took me to church. Really, no, I ain't want to go. Remember, I kissed my aunt in the casket and her forehead was cold. I was like four years old. We couldn't afford no clothes. It was hand me down. Who would think it get a Grammy now? Got a black judge trying to tear me down. All this jail time probably wear me down. Turn the lights off in the bathroom. Screaming bloody, bloody, bloody man. All right, so this week on Municipal Mania, we have a special guest, Omari Al-Qaddafi. He is here uh, and has recently filed a complaint regarding the GRTC. So welcome, Omari. Thank you. Hello, 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 ladies. (laughs) (laughs) My voice is very deep right now. I've been, you know, getting very little sleep working on Richmond Black Restaurant experience and everything. So, yes, a little tired right now, but, you know, we're going to get through it. I was about to say, it's, um, it sounds like you're going to be doing the, um, the slow quiet jams storm. and not yet quiet, quiet storm. storm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm here for that, by I the way. I was going to say, we probably have an opening. <laughs> I grew up with that and was like, yeah. For you and your boo tonight. <laughs> Help. <laughs> All right. Can you say grown and sexy? That's like one of my favorites. <laughs> for the grown and sexy tonight. So I think we should just Thank let you. Omari do our opening. <laughs> <laughs> What are y'all people even talking about? Because I don't understand. Y'all people are crazy. For people who don't know, can you give a little bit of background of who you are and your work in the community? Um, yes. Uh, my name is Omari El Qaddafi. I prefer just Omari, you know. But, um, East Endo? Yeah, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a community organizer. A lot of people refer to me as a community activist. Uh, I do work primarily in housing, transportation, and food access. I'm a part of a a social justice coalition called Community Unity in Action, and I serve on the executive committee for that organization. And you won top 40 under 40 last year. Yeah, guys, right? (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug, shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) Not good times. So how how did you really get involved with the activism that you've done in organizing around the transit network plan and the current bus routes with GRTC? Yeah, so um, around like, uh, I think it was like November or December of 2016, a friend of mine, came to my home and knocked on my door and they they knew the kind of work that I did in the community around housing. So they knocked on the door and they said, hey, did you see this sign over here on the bus stop? So uh, I went over and I I saw the sign and it said that there was a bus stop. The bus stop was proposed to be removed. Mm. And it said that there would be a public comment period and everything. Um, And they gave some information about, you know, where you how you could contact GRTC to give comment on that. So I ended up uh, going door to door through the community to find out how everyone felt about it. I had made this form and I got everyone's input on the form and 
Uh, I faxed all of those forms to GRTC. I emailed all of those forms to GRTC. I left a message on there, and then I also uh, had my own, you know, uh, comments about the uh, the bus stop being removed, and, and I emailed that. And and, uh, <laughs> and what was on the forms exactly? Like, what were people filling out or answering? Um, they were. Uh, I think that I don't remember exactly. But the gist of it was, uh, do you want the stop removed or, or, you know, do you care about the stop being removed mm. or, okay. or something and like And you that, responded so. in triplicate <clears throat> and quadruplicate. <laughs> right. Well, I was like, they're not going to say that they didn't get this, you know. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So um, Lily, Lily Estes, my mentor who uh, recently passed away, she had noticed on Facebook that I had been organizing around that uh, saving that bus stop. So she had invited me to a stakeholders meeting uh, at the convention center that was for this thing called the Richmond Transit Network Plan. And it was there, that was the first time that I had really heard that there was this big plan to redesign the whole bus network and to that it wasn't just about them removing stops in certain neighborhoods, that there was actually like a bigger plan to uh, remove stops like all around the city and everything and to uh, remove routes and redesign the network. Um, So yeah, that was how I ended up finding out about that. And it, it became apparent to me pretty quickly that the recommendations that they were presenting would have had a, a great impact on the the black and the low-income community in the city of Richmond. Like I could tell that certain routes were being removed that a, a lot of people use. I could tell that bus stops were being removed in different places. Um, yeah, so that was kind of how I, I came into that space. That's interesting. So I actually um, hadn't met you at that point, I don't think. The Transit Network Plan is something that they had public meetings on, and I happened to go to one in the beginning at Brooklyn Park Boulevard area. And the first time I ended up hearing about it was at this meeting. I'm somebody that has never ridden a bus Mm -hmm. at this point, but I was curious what this meeting was about. And so I'm sitting there with maybe like 15, 20 people, and the way that they end up presenting it to everybody is that basically they're creating this plan Mm -hmm. that's going to redesign the bus system. And in the redesign, it's either going to be able to have more frequency, faster bus times, people being able to get more frequent on certain routes was really one option for it. And then the other one was, um, I think it was higher coverage, if I remember, yeah, which yeah. was like more into um, the neighborhoods. Right. But it might not be as faster of a bus time. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was proposed was saying, because it's interesting hearing you talk about the way you found out about bus stops being eliminated, because the way it was posed in this meeting, to me at least, it was to say, all right, to make it faster, what it would be is if there's right now a bus stop at every single block, then if we go towards higher frequency, it would be saying, oh, there's just a bus stop one every three blocks. Yeah, right. right. When I first heard it, I was sitting there in my head, I was like, I feel like that's just going to eliminate 66% of the bus stops because, like, that's what you thought it was a great idea, right? So, to be honest, I was really, um, you say, oh, the bus is going to go faster. That's cool, right? So, so, like, here's the thing, though, is (laughs) is that, like, as I thought about it, though, because as someone who doesn't ride the bus, I'm sitting there going, but. Who has to walk the three blocks is my question. Exactly. And I'm driving by and I look at who people who are at the bus stops. I'm like, you know, these are people that are also elderly. 
it's not always in the greatest of conditions. There's this moment where I saw a number of people that were very, very much like, but it goes faster. And I remember getting this like, like Melissa, originally I think you had a moment where you thought that you wanted the faster frequency one. Right, because I used to ride the bus all the time. I used to depend on it all the time. And I'm like, ooh, well, that would be kind of great getting to work, whatever. But then I I think we kind of had the same epiphany moment like around the same time. Because you're like, well, here's the the stuff I brought back. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a second not what it is that's 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 not the no it's all smoke and mirrors like it's this is not what this is well i think that's the first time i honestly realized that marketing pitches are really and it's it's just it's how you present anything like even on the corporate side manipulation tool yeah Mm -hmm. it's how you present things to people for them to understand and digest it is always going to be some type of it's going to feel like a pitch pitch. that's how it felt to me when i first heard about it yeah Yeah. i never understood why my opinion was even you've never ridden a bus jesse like why (laughs) would you want to know my opinion about the bus but they want you on the bus exactly so you know the reason your your opinion is valid to them is because you know the whole idea is that they want to increase ridership you know so they want to increase the ridership so when you have a a transit dependent population you know which is in the city of richmond that transit dependent population is going to be you know overwhelmingly you know black and working class or low income they're dependent on transit so you can do whatever you want to do. You can put that, give them a mile walk to get to the bus. They're still going to have to use that bus because they're dependent on transit. But if you want to increase your ridership, you're going to have to make it more appealing to someone who does not currently ride the bus. Right. So if you don't currently ride the bus and, you know, maybe you live in a neighborhood where where you have, you know, nice sidewalks and stuff, or you live in an area where you're not really that concerned about having to walk through, you know, shaky streets or something where, you know, you might not feel as safe or something like that, you know, then, you know, you're just going to want that faster bus. You know, you, you don't really need the bus to, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a desire to have increased coverage because, you know, you don't have those same concerns as people right. that are in another neighborhood. And see, at Who first, too, I was, yeah, I was also under the impression that they weren't going to eliminate any essential stops. Like, for some yeah. reason, that well, was in my head. Right, right. And because that's what makes sense. You know, that's right. what makes sense. And but I what I found asks, out, like, you know, but from, you know, even when I was dealing with that, the first stop that, you know, that I organized the community to oppose, this was the primary bus stop right outside of our apartment complex. Oh, wow. So there was no one. No one was actually putting eyeballs, well, in my belief, there was no one actually putting eyeballs on which particular stops were being removed. They just picked them. You know, because these consultants, they come from out of town and stuff, you know, they don't really, you know, know the community and stuff. So, or or they, I don't know, they don't either don't know the community or they don't care, you know. Yeah, because logically you wouldn't take a bus stop away from an apartment complex. Right. Right. Yeah. That's ridership. Mm-hmm. So what is the benefit of higher ridership in theory? The benefit of higher ridership is more revenue. Right. More revenue. Um, I mean, I could see how, don't get me wrong, you know, I understand that the redesign network does benefit some people. You know, some people, you know, especially if you happen to live near, you know, one of those high-frequency routes, you know, that travels. Uh, you know, pretty fast, you know, I can understand, but uh, the great majority of the transit-dependent population, in my belief, has not benefited at all, you know, from it, and, you know, that's actually what's been, 
I guess, concluded by, you know, VCU's um, Center for Urban and Regional Analysis that their report, you know, concludes that what, 22% of low-income households uh, have less access to transit now mm. with the new network, you know. So, and, it's, it's, and right now it's kind of interesting to see some of the uh, people who are advocates of the new system, you know, to oppose a study that came from the Center for Urban and Regional Analysis from hmm. Virginia Commonwealth University. You know, this is this organization does so much planning and data gathering that guides so many policies in the city and in the state of Virginia, you know, so it's that's really interesting to me to see that people are, are kind of trying to beat up that, that study that came out. Hmm. But, I mean, it really... The study really it only it only uh, validated you know everything that we had been telling them since even before the plan was implemented. We we already knew that it was going to result in uh, lower access for low income people and black people in the city. So one of the problems, if I remember, was the transit network plan. The way that they presented it, and I'm just curious if this is end up how anybody if anybody knows this is how it played out is they were posing it saying that the reason that they had to take away from one side of it saying, oh, well, we're going to have less coverage in favor of higher frequency, and it was this either-or game, is because it was supposed to be a net zero budget impact to the overall system. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yes. So when you... When you are, in, you know, increasing frequency in one area, you know, there there are resources associated with that. You know, um, there's the the cost that you have to pay the driver. There's the cost of gas. You know, um, time is also a resource that gets taken into consideration. So yeah, um, there was kind of like this this there's this trade off that has to happen um, because it's a yeah it's a revenue neutral as they say it's. Budget neutral. Budget neutral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was something that always just didn't really sit well with me because it's also it's like you're pitting two trying to decide like which which one's more important is more important mm-hmm. is how I, I always kind of got the taste of it. If, if you're putting ridership in front of or the need for ridership in front of day to day needs of people, then yeah, there is a benefit and maybe there will be higher ridership, but it's also just pitting two groups of people against each other. It felt like mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I guess I guess by you know, by definition, that's what it is, and, and that's that is why you will see you know well-meaning people, well-intentioned people, you know, that are really on polar opposites of you know the spectrum when it comes to you know how 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 much they like or dislike the the new system. We didn't want the point to go lost at the end of the day. Like right. the big issue is there needs to be more money mm-hmm. for GRTC Transit. Period. If if there's a need of people saying, hey, we're choice riders and we would like a system that also works for us. And then there's also people that are saying, I need this day to day to survive. We need to expand the amount of money that GRTC gets to some point. So, yeah. So that's interesting because, yeah, um, had had that really been the... the goal or you know what the what the plan was originally was just hey let's get more money so that we can inc- so that we can increase ridership you know instead of redesigning the network to increase so ridership, increase ridership let's, yeah. let's let's get more money and add to the existing mm-hmm. service to increase ridership you know then things would have worked out well but it's like at this time you know for people to nowadays say oh well they fall back on well we need more funding you know um, in order to, you know, maybe, I don't know, 
correct some of the wrongs that have been done or, you know, whatever. I think it's just, it's kind of overlooking the inherent inequities in the process. Right. You know, like, I mean, because, I mean, in my belief, I'm looking at it like, well, federal money was just used to build this new system. $66 million just went into the transit system, you know, and it resulted in the perpetuation of inequities, making them worse than, than they were already. So, you know, to, to, say that oh we just need more funding and that's going to solve the problem i mean clearly that that's not what happened and i thought the um the initial surveying process was highly flawed huh did you um, think that huh. yes because uh, i thought that too <laughs> i know i'm about to <laughs> ask you about that <laughs> because it's my understanding that the riders who use this to get to work the people who are on the bus like eight to five ish mm-hmm. were not adequately surveyed mm. yeah and I think, personally, those are the people that are clearly using it daily. Wouldn't those are the you want to that speak we need to them to be first? To. Yeah. And oh. so I was under the impression that that was not a thing that happened. Like people didn't get on the bus and survey the people who were riding it daily. Uh-huh. Uh, well, there were business hours. For me, there was a number of issues with the surveying that was done, and basically that surveying was um, it was to trying to come up with the recommendation talking about that trade-off that you were talking about earlier that uh do we want you know more frequency or do we want more coverage so that the survey was determining how how the general public felt about that and you know one of the surveys and you know they did two rounds of surveying uh and one of the surveys it showed that there was there was only 33 percent of the people surveyed were black, you know, 25% of them made over $80,000 a year. Wow. So this is the one that, the damn bus. this I, was the survey results that were hilarious right. to me because yeah. they were absolutely just mm-hmm. out of proportion. Yeah, yeah continue with that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that that's an issue, you know, just the... Well, so what is the average writership or the writer of GRTC? <sighs> I don't recall. I mean, I know it exactly. wasn't. Yeah, I mean, like I, it was definitely not. Right, right. I mean, I mean, I think just anecdotally, just from looking, you would say that it's over ninety percent black. You know, I mean, I don't know if I'm, you know, jumping out there by saying it that. definitely isn't thirty three percent. That's and less with, than the population. You know, demographic. Making eighty thousand dollars a year. Eighty thousand dollars a year. I'm like, who's right. making eighty thousand dollars a year and hopping on the bus every day? So. Good question. Choice. The answer is (laughs) no, no. The um, the answer to that is the type of people who would respond to a survey that they're not being incentivized Mm -hmm. to answer. Mm -hmm. You know, the type of people that will walk up to some out of town consultant sitting at a table at the transfer plaza. Mm that's not offering them anything while while they're on the way to work or on the way to school or on the way to, you know, do whatever it is or social services or whatever. Those type of people that they are so happy with their lives are sure you let me get, let me take that survey. Hey, give me two or three more. You know, I got nothing but time oh, to kill. Stars. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me two like so that, and they call that a uh, voluntary bias uh in the surveying world, you know, in the statistical uh uh, surveying uh, voluntary bias so there's a voluntary bias that's inherent didn't, when you're not incentivizing it, uh, the survey didn't they also go onto the buses at some point 
I believe they did. I can't, you know, I, I think I've heard that, but I do know with my own eyes that I saw them at a table seated um, at the beginning of the transfer plaza, and which, and that's another bias that's inherent in their process was that they were seated at a table at, you know, which is only near like a couple of the, the terminals. And that which would mean that, you know, I think they have like, let's say it's like nine terminals there. So that means you're leaving out like six, six terminals, you know, because if those people have they're rushing down there to get to their bus or whatever, they're not going to stop there at your table and Mm -hmm. fill out your survey. And you're not even giving them so much as a fare card, as a free fare card or anything, a candy bar or nothing. You know, you're just sitting right there. Glass of water. Not going outside (laughs) in the weather with Mm -hmm. all the people who have to stand out in the weather because you know your clipboard's going to get wet. Mm. You Mm. know? Yeah. God, that's tragic. So pivoting um, more to the complaint that you filed. Uh, Yeah. We've kind of gone the background here of what the transit network plan is. What were the things that brought you to decide to file a complaint that you were seeing within the transit network plan? During the time, well, back in 2017, you know, there was a few things that I had noticed that I had brought up to the transit planners. You know, I had ended up, you know, due to my advocacy and them, you know, noticing what was going on, I ended up finding myself in, in spaces with uh, GRTC execs and consultant, uh, transit consultants and uh, uh, employees of the city of Richmond who were responsible uh, for uh, transit. And... Um, I had noticed several areas where people would have had very long walks to get to a bus service had the the recommended plan gone into place. Uh, particularly, um, I know one example, or a couple of good examples, like uh, Oakwood Avenue in Church Hill. Uh, there's a, over there by the cemetery, uh, there's a place called, uh, I think it's called the Villas of Oakwood. I don't know, I'm from Church Hill. We always called it Hilltop back in the day. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, uh, I think the newest name is like Oakwood Villas or Villas of Oakwood or something. And um, I had noticed that those residents would have had a half mile walk to get to service because the bus was being that whole bus route was being removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in, in Mosby, I had noticed that those residents would have had quite a, a, a long walk to get to the bus stop. Uh, had the proposal, which was recommended to remove bus service from all of the streets traveling through Mosby, had those plans going into place, then um, you know they would have. Uh, had long, really long walks. So I did end up talking to the the transit planners and, and getting that um, stuff, uh, those recommendations uh, reversed. Yeah, so that stuff was, you know, things that I had noticed in 2017. Since 2017, I basically had just been kind of monitoring the situation and noticing the things that I felt like were violations of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. and But I, I kind of felt that, I would be able to work with GRTC. You know, I went to this, their board meetings on several occasions. Uh, I remember one particular board meeting uh, approximately like five months ago. Um, I actually appeared there at the board meeting, and I, I it may not have even been that long ago, maybe like four months. But um, so I, I kind of I told them that you know I, I believe that there's possible civil rights violations going on. You know, and um, you know I just want to give you guys the opportunity to address it 
you know, before I go to outside agencies, right. you know, and there was, you know, nothing was done. And in these same concerns that I've had, there's there's quite a number of people um, that are in positions of influence in the city that are aware of them that um, that I've corresponded with over the past two or three years to uh, inform them of it. What ended up, I guess, kind of being the last straw for me was, you know, despite, like, there is all of this, you know, term, racial turmoil going on right now in uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia, you know, and there's, you know, on a local level, you know, there's a number of things occurring uh, with uh, racial issues and, you know, gentrification, everything like that, you know, along racial lines. But um, I think kind of what really was like the final straw was that the last GRTC board meeting that I attended. And I actually gave them, you know, a public comment at the beginning of um, the meeting. And I had reminded them that a couple of the the members there had been to uh, Lily Estes' Community Justice Film Series, where the transportation event that she had, the transportation segment of that series, and, you know, a couple of the board members were there. And, and I, I let them know that, you know, Lily, she advocated for uh, the community to be included on uh, all areas of policy, including transportation, you know, and, and I just kind of let them know that, you know, in this 400th year anniversary of, you know, my ancestors being brought here to build up this city and build up this country for the benefit of people who did not look like me, I, I let them know, I said, you know, we're not going for it in 2019. So, you know, and I gave them the opportunity. I said, you know, well-intentioned people have a very good opportunity right now to do things a little different, you know, to benefit people and to not, you know, disregard communities of color any longer in this uh, city. After I gave them that comment, um, you know, a number of them were, were pretty receptive to the comments. And then the planning department gave a presentation. And in the presentation, they showed uh, some proposed coverage expansions to three routes uh, in the West End. And uh, all of these routes traveled through predominantly, um, you know, white areas, um, areas where there was not a lot of, um, you know, minority or, uh, or low-income ridership uh, was not, you know, pre predominantly uh, the residency in those areas. And so they, being that we are in a budget neutral, you know, type of situation, so they can't really, you know, no one's putting more funds into the system. So you, you have to justify where you're going to be able to get that money to make those expansions. So the planning department showed their justification and the way that they were justifying the use of those funds was that they were using funds that was gained in the system from reducing coverage in the past couple months to the Fulton area. I know from watching John Meeser and his uh, Unpacking the 2010 Census uh, on YouTube, uh, he talks about how urban renewal devastated the Fulton community back in the day with redlining and everything. So I saw this to be a further perpetuation of redlining. Um, and it was really, I just was, really outraged by what I saw. Uh, and so I just said, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, that was what led me to go ahead and file. What was the, 
was the justification that they were using to expand coverage in one area over another area? Uh, okay. So right now, I know some of the buses, I guess they turn, they make uh, a turnaround in the DMV parking lot in, uh, in the West End, and they wanted to, I guess DMV wasn't going to allow them to do that any longer, so... They, they were going to bring the bus, you know, further past DMV. Um, one of the proposals, I I believe, was intentionally uh, being proposed in order to increase VCU's ridership because they, they had proposed to bring a route that usually stops at, um, I think, maybe like around Hermitage. Uh, they were going to bring that all the way down to loop around Monroe Park. Um, so I believe that that was intentionally being proposed to, uh, well, is intentionally being proposed to uh, increase the VCU ridership or to, you know, accommodate VCU students. There was one bus where there was a 5.1 mile detour, uh, round trip detour, a 5.1 miles round trip. And the justification that was given for that was that drivers or uh, car drivers were not stopping at a stop bar. And that was creating difficulty in making uh, a turn onto Libby Avenue off of Grove Avenue. And they also said that residents of Maple Avenue over there were complaining about the bus coming through their neighborhood. Mm, of course. So um, when that was being proposed at the board meeting, one of the board members made the comment. Uh, he said, so basically this is a case of nimbyism, you know, mm. so we're proposing a $300,000 a year, 5.1 mile detour, you know, because residents don't want the bus coming through their neighborhood, which which actually is coincidentally or not coincidentally, um, I'm told that that was part of the justification that was given for um, the coverage reductions and, well, really the frequency reductions in the Fulton area back in January. I was told, you know, I didn't attend that meeting, but someone who was there said that the same, uh, the planning department of GRTC also had stated that the Tobacco Road residents of Shaco Bottom had complained about the bus coming through their neighborhood uh, so often. Uh, and that that was why that was some of the reason why they were uh, reducing the frequency over there. Sorry, the tobacco road thing. I'm like, bitch, you live in the city. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like all, all you hear is traffic. What you complaining about? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean God forbid you should have a subway. <laughs> you know, what then? What are you gonna do? You know, I mean, because some cities have subways. You know, you have a whole train that runs in the middle of Richmond. <laughs> right. Loud ass right. train. It, I know. Like, true. What True. are you complaining about? They're right near all the trains. What are you complaining mm. about? Mm. Oh, that's well. Excuse my interjection. Well, you know, that's just what that's I was observation. told. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there. I was just told that, you know. So. <sighs> well, I gotta get my giant exasperated sigh out. Just get it out. <laughs> oh man, no, this isn't always. I'm, I'm always just fascinated because, like, to me, when I see things, like it, it just. It, it, it to me it, it's obvious mm -hmm. you're asking and, the right questions i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> like i'm just like so curious she's been like, thinking about uh, this a long time uh, <laughs> we've, we've been thinking on this a long time so the I beginning of this whole process this is east End omari and you are listening to the quiet storm i, I mean 
RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIR LP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. That's a lot. Like, I think that there's some things that we could all very clearly say about how we feel about the things that we think what's going on. But when you get down to the complaint, what basis are you using to file that complaint specifically about the impact that this has had on the community? When transit companies, you know, all across the country, they're all kind of regulated by the Federal Transit Administration, the FTA. They all have to abide by Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. And so when when you're receiving federal funds, uh, you're not allowed to impact minorities and low-income people negatively more so than you do the rest of the population. Or And you also, at the same time, you cannot give benefit to non-minorities and people that are not low-income more so than you do to them. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, and national origin in programs and activities receiving federal financial assistance. This regulation means that all people in the United States are entitled to equal treatment by federally funded programs and services. And so the way that the FTA uh, gets uh, a, a transit company to check that is by performing a service equity analysis. So prior to any major change in the transit system, uh, they have to perform a service equity analysis. And, and that service equity analysis, you know, they, they look at the current system and they assess will the changes disproportionately impact minorities and will it what they say they say uh, they call it disparate impact will it cause a disparate impact to minorities and will it cause a disproportionate burden to low income people uh typically uh with the disproportionate burden it would be something like you know the fare like is is it going to cost people more you know so um i guess when you think about the fact that the Fulton bus was uh it used to go downtown before the new transit system, and now it only goes to Shaco Bottom. So essentially, every time those residents have to leave their neighborhood, they would have to purchase a transfer. You know, so if if that could be seen, you know, and I don't know, you know, I don't work for the FTA, but that could be seen as a disproportionate burden being put onto you know, minority populations, whereas maybe a lot of the ridership of the post or something, maybe that's more of the uh, a white, you know, a non-minority or non-low-income population, and, you know, they're just, you know, riding freely wherever, you know, they want, and maybe they don't need a transfer, you know. But, yeah, so the, the basis of the complaint kind of is basically addressing that analysis that was done by GRTC. So every three years, a transit company has to 
complete a Title VI plan. Uh, and in this Title VI plan, they are required to keep ongoing demographics of the buses. So they are required to know how many low-income people are using the bus, or uh, I guess, that, yeah, they're they're required to kind of know. Uh, it, it, there's different ways that they'll be a, they do it. You know, it, sometimes you can actually be counting the people. Sometimes you can be using you know census data, or you know, um, however you do it. You have to keep track of like which buses are used prim- uh, mostly by uh, low-income people, which buses are used mostly by minorities. You know, and so you you have to. I, I can't remember what they call it. It's like the ongoing reviews or something like that. But um, so when you're proposing to make changes, you use that information to determine if you're going to impact those those routes or those particular riders more so than um, the rest of the population um, because you already have the data. You know, right. um, it, you could like if we wanted to know the population being served by GRTC, you know, we could look at their Title VI plan and we could look at it and say, hey, oh, okay, this bus is used by a lot of minorities. We should be this. able to do that. Well, I mean, I, it's it's there in their Title VI plan. I've seen it. You know, okay. um, they, they put it out They put it out every three years, yeah. Okay. So, um, and this one came out in uh, February 2017, their last one. So, you know, you can look at it and you can say, you can do that, you know, if, if you want to, you know, know uh who you're going to be impacting or you know maybe you might say uh i'm going to use the census data you know and i'll just say you know oh where what population lives around that area but it would make more sense to use the ridership like the actual you know, like data that Actually you've already collected right yeah. mm-hmm. you know i mean otherwise why would why are you collecting the data you know cool. it makes more sense to use that yeah and then, you know, in certain areas of the city, you know, like, um, let's say, you know, Churchill or, or, hey, let's even say downtown, Main Street, the financial district. You know, there may be a large population of people living around there that are white, you know, or not not minority, not low income. And they but they're not riding the bus, you know. So if you're using the population data from around that area, you know, just because the bus is coming through there, then you're not going to be getting an accurate look at who's riding the bus. So like basically the difference would be like a census data, for example, using that around the buses. There's a route that's relatively close to my house, like three, four blocks away in either direction. Census data would count me in the rider. For sure. As someone who doesn't ride, ride the, the bus. bus. Right, for sure. Whereas, like, if it's ridership data, as I'm not somebody that's on the bus. You're not counted. I'm not even counted. Right. You're not on that U-graph. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Inside joke, yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just making sure I got, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's no, exactly. that is, that's correct, though. Okay. That's correct. Um, so, yeah, in their. Uh, in GRTC's uh, service equity analysis, they actually use population data. I, I don't know why, you know, they would do that, you know, when they actually they already have the ridership data. So, um, yeah. Also, when you're measuring access to a route, uh, you would use the area where that population that's nearest the route would have a reasonable access to that, you know, that bus stop. And the FTA... Their recommendation is that you use a quarter mile 
you know, a quarter mile because a pedestrian would likely not walk more than a quarter mile to get to the bus. Which that sounds like when we're talking distance, that's kind of the conversation about, all right, instead of having a stop every block, right. now we're having a stop every three blocks. Like it's measuring that distance to make sure that whatever, however far away the bus stops were moved from a place that it's not too far away or far the, the distance isn't just disproportionately impacting minorities. Right. Okay. So my belief is that GRTC was not using that recommended quarter mile. I believe that they were using something close to like a half a mile. Wow. So I, I think that they were basically, you know, That's a big using that as reasonable access. And the reason I believe that is because, it, although, you know, it doesn't specifically say in, in their service equity analysis, the, the, their official service equity analysis, it doesn't even, you know, say what metric they're using to, to determine access. But in, in like two of their preliminary documents, maybe three actually, of uh, their preliminary documents leading up to the implementation of the, plan, of the network plan they actually say in those documents uh they're met when they're measuring access it's like a half a mile you know because um, when they're um in the the recommended plan and in the final uh, in the draft recommended plan document they have another document the final recommended plan and in both of those documents uh, which were presented to the public they are talking about you know a half mile access who's getting more jobs you know this is these people are near frequent routes you know at a half mile uh, of access you know and uh, that's one reason why I believe that they were not using the quarter mile also that that neighborhood in Oakwood Oakwood Villa. Uh, those residents would have had a half mile walk to get to the bus. Wow. So if you were gonna have a half mile walk, you would have already caught that if you were using a quarter mile. Like in their analysis, they would have already caught that, and they would have known that. Hey, oh, let's not do this because that that would have triggered a Title Six uh, violation. So they would have known to say, oh, it wouldn't have taken Omari to come to them and say, hey, look, these people have a half mile walk to get to the bus if you implement that. That would have been something that their own consultants would have caught. Half a mile is a long way in Richmond. Like, I'm just thinking about like what that... Imagine half a mile uh, being disabled or but not only that, elderly but just... or in the rain or... Or a, or a Virginia Union student trying to get to the Virginia Union bus stop. Huh. Oh my God! Yeah, it's huh. longer than a half mile. It's like a mile. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've, I've done that. There is one. <laughs> the Virginia Union. Uh, what is it? The post stop. Right? Yeah, I was yeah. VCU VUU. I'm sorry, I was not hear me on Broad great. Street. Oh, excuse me, VUU. Maybe it doesn't stand for Virginia Union. It does. Mm. It's making some stuff up. I think it says Virginia that. Union on it, so we can't. Oh, does like, it? Yeah, oh, I think okay. it does. Sorry. Say I was trying well, to. Well, that's really freaking sad. On Broad Street. So the reason I had to laugh is that I remember. I think I was texting. Fran when it was happening you had left the polls at that stop actually yep and I had walked over to like a nearby stop to take the bus back to my house in Northside and I like looked at the GRTC app and it gives like it lists off one two three like your fastest options mm -hmm. my number one fastest walk. option to get home was walk <laughs> no, <shit. laughs> yeah walk and then it was just like, and it was, yep. it was something that crazy. And like, even though, so I like, I waited because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get home at the same time. I'm I might as well sit and out. wait wow. and just see how this plays out. It still though took me, it was at least instead of the one that was like three blocks from my house, it took me all the way down five blocks away to like the Overbrook and Brook Road stop. Wow. <laughs> Wow. And so then I still had to walk. I think it took me maybe half the way. Like, man. So sorry. That's the only reason I had to laugh when the VEU uh, stop comes up. Yeah, because that's, and we, and we did that real. intentionally yep. to see what it was.
Yeah, that was what that felt like. And it was like night. I'm like, man, I don't really want to walk this. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to walk from Brooke either. But anyway, sorry. Had to derail there for a second. No, no. (laughs) I mean, that's real. That's real. Yeah. Kind of the base of the complaint, like what I'm hearing, is that it's really based on this. It was called an equity service. Service equity analysis. Service equity analysis. Mm -hmm. And so like the service equity analysis, is it basically the way that like the federal government looks and says, hey, there is or is not a problem? Yeah. uh, It's it is the way that a transit company is required to make sure that they're not impacting minorities and low income people disproportionately as opposed to the rest of the population. So, you know, while a lot of people are just looking at the end results, you know, and, and they're, they're looking at, and there's, you know, anecdotally, we know, hey, this doesn't feel right, you know, oh, it looks like they're taking away coverage from this, the black people or something like that, or it looks like it's being harder, you know, and then there's this other group that are like, well, you know, those are the growing pains of a growing transit system, you know, so it works works pretty good for me right now you know there's this other you know group of people that are saying that you know what we're looking at is actual potential violations of the law you know this is actual federal law you know this is a civil rights act that you know if we all can claim to not be racist and to you know uh be living in the spirit of the great Martin Luther King, you know, we can quote his <laughs> his words and everything all the, the time. The beautiful be post racial. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, if we all can, you know, claim that we we believe that, you know, Martin Luther King was such a great man, you know, Martin Luther King did fight for the Civil Rights Act, you know, and that means he did fight for Title Six of the Civil Rights Act. So that is what we're talking about here. So, like, I guess a way to like that I kind of boil down the essence of what the complaint sounds like to me is the controls are broken to some extent of hmm. basically saying like you know there might be data on the side of saying hey there there's equity of service or there's better access or whatever it is but when you look down at like the underlying how we got this data that's being used that's how when we look at it and we can see to me it looks pretty obvious when one is going away in a specific neighborhood and another one's going or going into a specific neighborhood and one's going away from another specific neighborhood to me I can see it but it, the question then fundamentally comes like why is it that the alarm aren't going off Mm -hmm. like why aren't the violations happening and so the complaint is getting down to like i guess the underlying cause of how the system isn't blaring and sounding the alarm right yeah and um you know so the fta's guidance based on the civil rights act based on title six their policy is that when you're making changes to an existing system that you use the ridership data when you're analyzing yeah. uh, equity. Oh, there, there's guidance on it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it also Thanks. it also says that uh, you know, you would use the census data, you know, the population. You would use that when you're creating new service somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't know who's gonna ride it when when sense. it's new. Yeah, it does, right? Right. It just makes that, sense. Yeah, I never would have right? thought about that, but yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. What is a complaint? Where does it go from here? I honestly don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I I imagine that um, you know, the FTA would investigate. That's because that's all I'm asking. All I'm asking, you know, a lot of people have uh, said, hey, you know, this lawsuit that you got or this case that you got against GRTCO, you're going to hurt the transit more, you know, or you're going to do this and do that, you know. I'm not trying to get any money out of GRTC. I'm not trying to get, find GRTC. I am just asking, hey, I think there's a, 
a law being broken here mm-hmm. ple- by by a corporation. Please come over here and check out this law and let's see. You know, that's all I'm saying. Investigation yeah. does not equal lawsuit. Right, right. So that that's all I'm doing. What has the response been to your complaint thus far? Uh, well, I mean, the community that I support, they love it, you know. People come up to me all the time and say, thank you. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Like, oh, they're like, oh, I follow you on Facebook or something. I'm telling you, like, all the time people come up to me. Strangers come up to me and say, thank you. I, I feel that, I, I think that, um, an, you know, and I don't even want to say this anymore because there's this one particular guy who I'm pretty cool with and we're friends and everything. Um, and... Um, Apparently, whenever I say a white transit advocate, everyone thinks that I'm talking about this particular person, but I'm not talking about this particular person. There's I, more than one, yeah, is right? What you're there's saying. yes, right. there's more than one. Are you, you sure? <laughs> but um, honestly, I think it's rather like disappointing. I don't know, disappointing or telling. You know that I have not had not one white transit advocate in the city be like be supportive of the civil rights, you know, complaint. You know, and that's how, telling. Right. It's like how how can you not be? You should want your system to be just. You know, why would you want? Why would you even support something that you don't want to well, be in compliance with the Civil Rights Act? Yeah. And if you're not if you're not worried about it, if you think it, it's it's hunky dory, then why are you concerned about it? Right. Oh, you know what that sounds like? Why are you running if nothing's wrong? You know? Should have right? complied. Should have complied. You know, that's it. And, and yeah, that's what it sounds like to mm-hmm. me. Huh. 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 Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. How that Bloop. flips around like right. Mm-hmm. Bloop. <laughs> well then. <laughs> Where'd my tea go? I know, right? <laughs> I got mine right here. I got some orangeade. I'm going to sip on that. Bloop. Oh, man. Wow. So how can um, people get involved in, in um, your work in general, but also in just specifically supporting uh, the complaint and investigation request? Um, if anyone knows Mr. Trump in D.C., <laughs> if he could have his no cabinet move this complaint over to the Office of Civil Rights at the FTA, we would be so gracious to Mr. Trump. You know, we know he's been watching what's been going on in Virginia, you know, for some time right now. And he's been, you know, making certain overtures to the black community. You know, though a lot of people have been telling me, um, well, you know that federal administration, they're not doing much right now with uh, the civil rights and stuff. But, you know, I've seen him make some overtures to, you know, to Kanye West recently, you know, in the past couple of years or whatever, you know, meets with black church officials and whatnot, you know, so. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. If, if someone could just reach out to that guy, you know. Well, we actually have the. You have uh, his number? We have the chairperson of the uh, Richmond Republican. GOP, GOP, yeah. I mean, you have Benjamin Leon. Ben, Benjamin Leon. Is that right? Leon Benjamin. What do you Benjamin? mean you have him? He, he's here in Richmond. He's here in Richmond. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He might actually. No, he might and, actually. And, and he's he's a black pastor. Is he? He is. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Quite he's a been on uh, Fox News, math, I yo? think. You got his math for I me, I actually yo? do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's been on CNN and Fox. And I'm sure he has a direct line. That's he a, was at Blexit. He was. Was he? Yeah. Would Asking make questions. America he great. ran for council in the 9th District. Okay. Again. He okay. did. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. In he the 9th. Yeah. Hashtag in the 9th. In the 9th. We try, we try to take down Confederate statues in the knife. 
Yeah, he said we don't need to worry about that. We need to probably worry about the abomination to society Stop that exists. Stop being so subversive. I'm not. He said don't worry about that. We need to worry about the abomination to society that exists in LGBTQ. Oh, because that's way more okay. important. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was going somewhere I'm, with it. I'm sorry. I was just questioning your priorities. No, ma'am. No. Not mine. <laughs> not, not mine. Not here. Yeah. Anyway. Not mine. All right. Back <sighs> on track. Of levity. Yes, yeah. Anyway. So I was to say thank you so much for your work, first of all, Omari, but also coming on the show today. Yeah. I mean, you can follow me on Leaders of the New South Community there we go. Council for there Housing. We go. Also, yep. awesome. Leaders yep. of the New South on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. too. That would be good. You can come to any city council meeting and, and chat in person because I don't know what it would be. City council wouldn't be city council if there wasn't an East End Omari sighting. Yeah, no, don't come up to me on city council. <laughs> don't say if you're, Especially if you're white. I've been getting a lot of backlash from white people in the city. So I'm, <gasps> I'm kind of getting a little leery of <laughs> strange white people coming up to me. So Fair enough. Seriously. That's super yeah, fair enough. Can we define strange white people? Uh, strangers. Okay, strangers. Yeah. Okay. Stranger danger. Okay, mm -hmm. got you. I need an adult. I need an adult. Okay, so we're, I can still walk up to you. Yeah, you good. Okay. Yeah. As long as like the regulars are okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I have plenty of you know white comrades and allies mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, and they're cool. But yeah. Anyway, so anyways, I appreciate you coming on and also your work. I mean, obviously, I think that like we all have our opinions on here about um like what I've seen, not through just through your work, but also like my own research of it. Yeah. Um, and we definitely wanted to dedicate time to really digging in to what you've presented here because I think that there's also a piece where a lot of what ends up in the mainstream narrative right. is very much the counter to your argument yeah so that's why I, I wanted to just kind of put it out there we actually did invite somebody on um from the opposing side of this argument discussion hadn't heard back yet but um i also just we felt it was appropriate that the most typical narrative that you hear on the topic is usually that of the opposing side of this so yeah. So it's one of the white transit advocates. It, one of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we that's why I'm like, you know, we, we invited one. If we didn't hear back, it's like, well, didn't oh, pursue it too, them. too far. But. Oh, you only invited one? Yeah. It must have been that one. The okay. one that everyone thinks. That uh, one? That's one. <laughs> that one. Him downstairs. Him downstairs. Oh, my gosh. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us today, Omari. We oh, really appreciate man. your next, voice and your time. Next time we'll bring milk and cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday right here at 11 a.m. on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. If you'd like to continue this conversation or start another, hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt. Until next time, folks. Flint still has dirty water. RPS is still not fully funded, but we got a budget that say it's about to be though. And Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. See y'all next week.